This podcast is brought to you by everythingvoluntary.com. My name is Skylar Collins, and this is Everything Voluntary. You probably already shop at Amazon. If you'd like to kick back a small commission from every purchase you make at no extra cost to you, please use and bookmark my special link at AmazonEVC.com. That's AmazonEVC.com. If you're new here, let me tell you what this podcast is all about. It's about voluntarism, free markets, peaceful parenting, radical unschooling, and much more. Thank you so much for listening, and please enjoy. Hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast. I'm going to continue the Economics 101 series as well as the Wizards 6, uh, excuse me, Wizards Rules uh, mini-series. And I've got a dog barking at me, so I don't know if that'll come through. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Um, okay, let's, uh, I guess, just get right into it. I really don't have anything else. To <laughs> I don't have any announcements. Oh, I did um, release the second episode of my new podcast, Thinking and Doing. That was a real episode, I guess I could say. The first one was just introductory. But this this was the first episode where I really got into uh, the, the, the meat of what the podcast is going to be all about. It was a, I, I reviewed a random fallacy, a random cognitive bias, a random stoic teaching, and really a random life pro tip. I mean, it was one that I found and I thought I really liked this one. Um, but it, it made for a, a full episode. It was about 25 minutes, uh, you know, plus all the, the theme music. It came out to 26 minutes and some change. And uh, I had a really good time doing that. I, I, I think I'm really going to enjoy this. So if you haven't already, I'll, I'll uh, syndicate one more episode on this feed. Um, but then to get future, excuse me, to get future episodes, you've got to subscribe to that and I've got it set up in all of the major podcast directories. Um, if you search for thinking and doing and it doesn't come up in your particular podcast app, either try again in a few days or just go to everythingvoluntary.com, go to uh, EBC Podcast Network, Thinking and Doing, go to that page, and then there's a an orange icon for that has the RSS or the, the Atom feed icon click on that and then you can just somehow if you do that on your phone you can just copy that address paste it right in your podcast app and subscribe that way but you know i mean all your major apps apple Podcasts, google play stitcher itunes uh blueberry all of those it's available now but in you know some of the smaller apps that you might not be able to see it yet just because they haven't uh refreshed their directory listings i don't know how i mean it just sort of percolates out Anyway, so so check that out. All right, let's let's get to um, uh, let's get back to this economics 101. I'm just going to continue by looking at part six of Walter Williams' Economics for the Citizen series, and um, this one is going to look at uh, pricing and relative pricing. Um, okay, it says he writes my last article introduce the law of demand which states holding everything else constant that the lower the price of something the more people will take of it and the higher the price 
less will be taken. But there's a bit of complexity we must add. It's crucial to recognize that it's relative prices that determine choices, not absolute prices. Relative price is one price in terms of another price. Here's an example. Actually, it's a trick I pull on freshman students. I say, suppose your company offered to double your salary if you'd relocate to its Fairbanks, Alaska office. Would you consider it a good deal and accept the offer? Some students thoughtlessly answer yes. Then I ask, what if upon arrival you find out that rents are more than double what you're paying now and the prices of food, clothing, and gasoline and other items are three and four times more expensive? The end result is that while your absolute salary has doubled, your salary relative to other prices has fallen. A bit trickier example of how it's relative prices, not absolute prices, that influence behavior, comes with the observation that married couples with young children who can't be left alone tend to choose more expensive dates than married couples without children. The couple's income and tastes have little to do with their decision. It's relative prices. Keeping the number small, say an expensive date, dinner, and concert has a $50 price tag, and a cheat date, a movie, $20. Obviously, this was written some time ago. The choice of the $50 dinner and concert date requires that the married couple without children sacrifice two and a half movies that they could have otherwise enjoyed. The married couple with children must pay a babysitter $10 whether they go on the expensive or cheap date. With the cost of the babysitter figured in, the dinner and concert will cost them $60 and the movie $30. In choosing the dinner and concert date, they sacrifice only two movies. The dinner and concert date is relatively cheaper for the married couple with children since they sacrifice only two movies compared to the married couple without children's two and a half. Since it's cheaper, we can expect to observe married couples with children to take more expensive dates when they go out. It doesn't take economic analysis to come up with this. A husband might suggest, honey, let's hire a babysitter and take in a movie. The wife replies, that doesn't make sense. Since we have to pay $10 for a babysitter, whether we go on a cheap or expensive date, why not get our money's worth and make in, make, take in a dinner and concert? How about another example of relative prices? Suppose today's coffee price is a dollar a pound, and you typically purchase two pounds per week. You hear news that a freeze in Brazil destroyed much of its coffee crop and coffee prices are expected to rise. W what would you do and why? I'm guessing you'd make larger coffee purchases now, but why? The average person would answer to save money. That's an okay answer, but it doesn't d tell the whole story. Once again, it's the law of demand working. If coffee prices are expected to rise next week, that means coffee prices this week have fallen relative to those next week. And the law of demand says that when a price of a good falls, people will take a larger quantity. It works in reverse as well. If coffee prices are expected to fall next week, you'd buy less coffee this week. Why? Coffee prices have risen this week relative to next week. There's probably more to that analysis, that specific example um, that involves something called time preference, which is um, a preference for gratification or a preference for something now uh, maybe at a higher price instead of something later at a lower price. This is, this is why people with uh, what's called high time preference um, and, uh, tend to take on a lot of debt because they, they want things now, even though over the long run they're paying more for it. Whereas people with low time preference are the ones who are the savers and um, can forego gratification and, and stuff like that. So that's, that's a topic I've touched on before. Um, a little bit more advanced concepts, not really economics 101 material, but uh, you know, it probably could be. Okay, let me continue. 
You might be tempted to ho-hum this coffee analysis as so oversimplification, but it is the basic principle underlying the complexities of futures markets such as the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, where people as speculators become rich, sometimes poor, guessing about the future prices of commodities. All right, and the, the next, uh, he says the next topic, we'll look at how the law of demand affects or what it says about discrimination. That'll be interesting. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And, and really, I mean, there's, you know, there's a, there's a few different books sort of centered on the idea of thinking like an economist or the economic way of thinking. I think those are two titles in, in this, this genre where you learn these sort of principles, like the one we just went over about relative prices versus absolute prices. And it helps to think a little bit more clearly about the decisions that you make, not only with uh, your money, but also with your time. Last, 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 the last uh, uh, installment, I guess, of this series, we talked about opportunity cost. Opportunity cost is something that occurs or must be considered or dealt with, not only as it concerns your money, but also your time and other resources. Um, and, you know, this is just really the tip of the iceberg is uh, on why economics is such an important field of study to to understand really how the world works right how it runs and why it runs the way it runs i mean that's that's all economics and really it's all praxeology which is the study of human action okay the world is a world of human human beings why um not not so much the why as in psychologically that's a separate field but the why as in why we choose and how we choose the things we do as it relates to our time, our resources, uh, scarce resources and other people. Okay. How we, how and why we, we do the things we do as it concerns, broadly speaking, the market, which is not just goods and services, but it's also uh, relationships and ideas and all these other things that people exchange. So, okay. All right. That's, that's it for uh, should be part six of economics 101. Let's, uh, move on to the second, uh, bit of this, which is going to be a continuation of the wizard's rules mini series. We're going to look at wizard's rule, uh, wizard's sixth rule. Let me open this here. Okay. This, the wizard's sixth rule was revealed in, I don't know if it's the fifth or the sixth, but book of the sort of truth series it's titled faith of the fallen which by the way speaking of economics if you want just an absolutely superb um both micro and macro overview of socialistic economic systems within a fictional setting i can't recommend this book enough faith of the fallen shows in in just amazing detail the incentives that face people who live underneath a socialistic regime this is just an absolute fantastic book i wish it was more well known by um well not only my fellow libertarian types but by everybody okay so this is the this is the sixth wizard's rule it's short it goes the only sovereign you can allow to rule you is reason let me, there's some commentary here I'm going to read. It says, the first law of reason is this. What exists, exists. What is, is. And from this, 
irreducible bedrock principle all knowledge is built. It is the foundation from which life is embraced. Thinking is a choice. Wishes and whims are not facts, nor are they a means to discover them. Reason is our only way of grasping reality. It is our basic tool of survival. We are free to evade the effort of thinking, to reject reason, but we are not free to avoid the penalty of the abyss that we refuse to see. Faith and feelings are the darkness to reason's light. In rejecting reason, refusing to think, one embraces death. Quoting a, a, a character in the book, most this, the, the most important rule there is, the sixth rule, is the hub upon which all rules turn. It is not only the most important rule, but the simplest. Nonetheless, it is the most often ignored and violated, and by far the most despised. It must be wielded in spite of the ceaseless howling prospects, excuse me, howling protests of the wicked. Oh, okay, so the rule again, let me read it again. The only sovereign you can allow to rule you is reason. If, I don't know if you remember, but the third rule, wizard's third rule, is passion rules reason, for better or for worse. I went over, when I reviewed it last, last episode on this, I reviewed the, the first four rules. That was wizard's third rule. Passion rules reason, for better or for worse. And the sixth rule, the only sovereign you can allow to rule you, is reason. These rules go together. Passion has its place, I believe. Okay, I'm not opposed to both the allowance of and the use of passion. I think it has its place. I think it, it can be very helpful. Helpful. It can, it can help us to enjoy things as well as it can help us once we've, uh, once we've settled on a, cor- a, a, right, a correct course of action. It can help motivate us to see it through. So passion is important. But, and this obviously relates to my, my new podcast, because this is the sort of thing that I, I talk about over there. Um, this is, this is, this is very much, uh, uh, th- this is all very much compatible if, if not outrightly taught by the Stoics. I really like this. The only sovereign you can allow to rule you is reason. I don't know though. Like I said, I think there's a place for passion. I think there's a place for emotion. There's a, a place for excitement is recognizing that and partaking of those things or allowing yourself to experience those things, is that a subjugation of reason? I don't think it has to be. I think it can be. And perhaps that's where we get in trouble. But it doesn't have to be. I think it can I think it I think I think those things can be enjoyed and uh, utilized in a reasonable way. Let's put it that way. I like that. Okay, that's that's Faith of the Fallen, which is book five or book six. I don't remember. Probably book six, because this is the sixth rule of the Sword of Truth series. Fantastic series all the way around. I've read, I think, the first 13 or maybe 12. Um, so I haven't, I know there's a few after that that he's writ, written recently, and I haven't, I haven't continued. But just, just a fantastic, so far, my favorite fantasy series. And it's precisely for the reason, this reason, the reason... Um, you know, the, the, that we're, you know, these, these wizards rules are in within that world. I mean, I've learned, I learned a lot. I learned a lot of philosophy from this series. Let's put it that way, as well as economics. Like I mentioned about the living under socialism and what, what that's like, um, highly recommended. Uh, that's the sword of truth series. Okay. That's going to be it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.
please send your comments or questions to everythingvoluntary at gmail.com. Please consider supporting this podcast and everythingvoluntary.com by visiting patreon.com forward slash evc or paypal.me forward slash everythingvoluntary. Thank you. Thank you.